Good morning, I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, we continue our interview with Trina Frierson, the co-founder, president, and CEO of Mending Hearts, a nonprofit here in the Nashville area that helps women who have had a really hard time, sometimes self-inflicted, get back on their feet and get back out into their lives and living their lives successfully. Now, let's continue our conversation. And so to just say, well, Ms. Frierson, I hear that you're in recovery now. You're doing good, and you've been in the treatment program. I said, yes, sir. And so he went to say a couple of things. And then he said, boop, I ordered this child back to her mother today. Right? And people in the courtroom are clapping. But I'm over here. Whoa, 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 oh. your honor. I live in a halfway house. We can't accept kids. Right? I go back to the house. and I'm crying to my roommates. And what they say is, Trina, don't worry. We're going to get a big house, and we're going to help you be a mother to that daughter. And we're each going to take a room, or we'll share a room, because you and her have to have your own room. And we're going to show you how to raise her. The counselor at my outpatient center co-signed for us a house. And she said, Trina, I'm not worried about nobody else, but I believe in you, and I know you're going to do right. I believe in you, and I know you're going to be a mother. I didn't have no choice but to do right. All I got surrounding me is love and support. Wow. Like I'm cushioned with everything I need. And so, like, I could find a whole lot of things that were wrong or wasn't right. But, like, it was like God handed me all the support I need. And these people didn't want nothing in return but for me to do right and do good. And so as a result, man, we got in this house, we start doing it. And in the meantime, the jail is calling me, questioning me. Like, are you really clean? Are you really not living that lifestyle? Are you really not living that lifestyle, Trina? How are you living without fast money? How are you doing that? I said, man, it's a big sacrifice. I said, but when you come home every day and you look around and you got clothes and got food and you got water. I said, it's really all you need. Wow. I said, and the people here have supported me all the way. And what I didn't have, they helped provide. And they didn't want nothing for it. I said, now my job is to pay it back. And so I would go to the jails and tell my story. And people start calling and said, hey, Trina, when I get out, man, will you show me? Because if you can make it, <laughs> like, <laughs> I know who you were. Yeah. If you can make it, if you can do it, I know I can do it. And so when it got out, you know, I would start writing this little list. When you get out, go here to get food, go here to get clothes. You can find jobs here that really don't pay much. You know, there's a, a call center here that you can get on with no problem. And I would write this stuff out and mail it back to them. I started writing, we need a resource center, right? And I was writing down this little program. I showed it to a friend, and he said, Trina, you got a program. I said, no, it's a resource center. It's going to be in a building. Women get out of jail. They get dropped off here. And we provide the resources from showing where to get a house at, the whole nine yard, right? Yeah. Now, by this time, I done moved away from my roommates over there. We got us a house, me and my partner over here. And now I'm headed back to court because now I guess the judge done got amnesia or something and <laughs> forgot that they gave me one child back without my permission. Now I'm court ordered to get a nothing back. And it's like a domino effect, right? And so now I got these kids and like we're in this house and God done bless me. 
with one of those uh, new um, first-time home buyers houses over in North Nashville, and we bought it. And like I'm outgrowing this house now; it's brand new, three bedroom, two bedroom. Now I'm outgrowing it. We got these kids everywhere. It's time to move. And so as I got thinking about moving, my mate said, "Trini, you need to keep this for your ministry. You need to hold this." And I was like, "No, man, we need grants. We need a board. We need donations." You know, we need to be a 501c3. We need to be a 501c3. And she was like, uh, well, what about, because by this time, not only are we working full time, but I started a cleaning service. And so we're just trying to make it, because I got all these chilling back without my permission now, and I got to survive. And so we got this cleaning service, and it's going, and she come up with this bright idea and said, hey, what about if we take all the money we don't need for the cleaning service that we don't need to live on, what about if we use that money to support the ministry? Is you crazy? I just started making legal money. <laughs> and now you want me to get away? <laughs> like, she was like, if you take care of God's people, he'll take care of you. I said, I'm going to try, but if it don't work, I'm going to blame you, right? <laughs> She's like, I'll take that blame. I'll take that blame. And so, you know, uh, that's what we did. Uh, we would get up in the mornings and Go to work lunchtime. I go to the penitentiary, women's pen, and grab a lady. Go over the house rules with her. Drop her off at the house. She'd meet her over there for lunch. Get her settled in. We meet back around there after work. In between going to clean buildings with the kids on the front porch doing homework, we done packed them a lunch along the way for the evening. And so we did that for about six or nine months until we got house moms. And so the first woman moved in the house with us before we even moved out with the kids. Yeah. She became the babysitter and everything, right? Yeah. And so we did that, and then we messed up and went and opened two more houses, and we were running in circles from south, north to east Nashville. Yeah. And we were just doing it. And so did that for about two years maybe, and then we went over in west Nashville, and we this guy— he said, I want to show you something. He took me up 40th in Albion. And you go up that street. You're in the street, and there's sidewalks on each side. Where there are people out there in lawn chairs all the way up the road. When you drive up, you can just pull over, cop your drugs, give them your money, cop your drugs, and pull off. That was the system. Yeah. And so he pulled up in this pothole of a driveway. There's a six-apartment complex Six units. He said, come on. I said, no, I'll wait here. He said, no, this is the place I want to show you. I said, can't be, dude. I'm getting women off drugs, not on drugs. Why would I bring them over here? Yeah. And he said, come on, Trina. Probably the most powerful thing he ever said to me. Listen, just trust me. You got to look past the rubbish. Oh. Right? And I get out and I'm walking and big old nasty trailer with debris I walk down these six units. Number two is the only one got a door, working lights, and water. Mm-hmm. But it's got extension cords coming out the doors and windows oh. with hose pipes to supply water and electricity to the other units. And the other units they ain't even got no doors on them. Yeah. And so, like, you can walk by and I'm like, and I was like, no, dude, I can't do this. He said, Trina, you got to become a visionary. You got you to gotta envision he said, just see if you can see it. And I don't know if you've ever experienced going home, being woke up and feel like something touched you on your shoulder. And, like, you wake up 
and their place is just so crispy clear. And like you can see it in another format. Yeah. And I, I vision and I find myself getting up and going back over there. And I'm praying, I'm walking like God, why you got me over here? <laughs> like, what's up? <laughs> and I'm looking around like, nah, what's up? <laughs> Can't be. And I was walking away. And it came to me so clear. It was like somebody was talking to me and said, it's one thing that you want to restore and reclaim the lives of the women that you're serving. But what about the communities? What about the communities that they destroyed along the way? I'm like, huh? What about putting these women back over here in this infested community and letting them recover and cleaning up this community? Because uh, uh, that'd be like, you know, I'm going to have to call the police over here. I'm going to And I was like, no, because I've been on that side before. And then my mate said, it ain't about you calling the police. It's trying to get the community to see how you can help clean this up. And that's what we did. You know, police undercover came through just riding through. People started scouting. You <laughs> know where they went, but they left there. <laughs> People started boarding up their houses. And so I eventually got that apartment, didn't have no money, made a deal with the guy. Um, it was a crazy deal. I told him I'd give him a thousand in four months. After I've rented it for four months, I wouldn't pay anything for four months. He said, What's the down payment? My down payment is my sweat and equity. I'm gonna build your building back up. I didn't know what I was doing. I went to the Home Depot, bought the one, two, three book. I probably messed up more materials. Port of paint, man, we're grateful for them. We found a flooring company that gave us all their remnants. Men and women put that building back together, yeah. and it wasn't perfect, but it was clean, and it was comfortable, mm-hmm. and it was livable, mm-hmm. you know. And we did that every time they board up across the street, i go over and use that same model. Oh, wow. And I did that all the way down the block of four blocks. And so today we reside from having a six, seven-bed unit to a 110-bed unit. We started out with a zero budget. I think we're a $3 million budget today. Oh, my gosh. But we serve 110 women at one time. And these are women who are uninsured. Probably 80% of the women come have no form of payment. And so we started out in a transitional setting. We just wanted to get women off drugs. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is as the women continued to come through the door, we found that they had more issues than drugs. So that caused us to hire a counselor. That caused us to hire case management. And then we found out, hey, you notice every eight to ten years the drug trend changes. Ah. Uh, right? Different drug of choice? Yes. And, and there's new drugs that come down the pipe. True. And so when that comes, there comes a different mental state with it and almost a different health, right? Oh, wow. Think about when people were using crack cocaine opposed to this opiate. We have more medical conditions with opiate drugs than we do crack cocaine. Like what? Like what's the difference? Listen, one of the things on an opiate is that it locks up your system your bowels, your kidneys. I mean, you get clogged Mm -hmm. if too many, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, People, uh, I've seen people have to get colostomy bags 
because of this opiate use. I mean, it, there there are just different yeah. issues, right? Right. Um, the other thing is cocaine is addictive, but we've seen trends that opiate is more addictive. Mm-hmm. You can detox off of opiates, but there's no detox for cocaine. It's a stimulant. Opiate is a downer, right? And so what 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 we have to look at is that you think about if you look at more hospital beds today, a person got injured, car wreck, broke. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but they end up on medication for a long time. Yep. Right. And so while we're in this slow walk pattern of being under the influence of provided medication from the doctor, right? Yep. Our bodies are sitting still. We're not active, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm intoxicated, they don't tell how many times I'm feeling broke something. But at the same t- time, my system is not flushing right. the way it should be. Right. And so it just causes all kind of. And yeah. then when you try to take me off, I go into anxiety, mm-hmm. depression. And listen, I believe I'm in pain even if I ain't in pain because my body has become accustomed to the opiate. Mm-hmm. And so you change that drug every trend, but you got new issues. So that caused us to even hire a doctor. Oh. So today I have about 30-something staff from a medical doctor to psych nurse to RNs, LPNs, to counselors, case manager, peer counselors, transportation people. And, you know, uh, while I am the founding CEO uh, it's the team mm-hmm. that really makes that magic happen over there off of 40th and Albion. And so we started in these very true, humble beginnings with nothing. But we've been blessed. God has truly blessed us in a way we couldn't imagine. Like we've taken these old broken down homes and rehabbed them and restored them the same way we're restoring the lives of the women we serve. And so it's not just about the people it's about the people and the community. Mm-hmm. When we first got over there, there were parents on the bus stop with their kids with weapons mm. just to get their child on the bus stop. Yeah. There were no bicycles being ridden in the middle of the street. The neighbors, elderly people were trapped in their houses, yeah. scared to sit on their porch. Now they're out there waving, hey, how you doing? Good morning. You know, and so there's life mm-hmm. overall for 40th and Albion. Thanks to Mending Hearts. Yes, yes, yes. And God, you know, I got to give him the credit because like, you know, many hearts is a true gem. Right. And I'm not saying it because I'm the founder. Right. But it is unique in its own way, because not only it's helping people, it's helping communities. Mm -hmm. Right. That community was dying over there. We took a risk to put the women over and rebuild. Mm -hmm. And now we have true community. You know, when we when we get big donations. There's only so much we can use. We knock on the door of our neighbors. So, yeah, we get fed from the community, but we feed the community as well. And so we clean. One of our service projects is because, you know, people are always banging the music and throwing stuff out the window. Right. Mm -hmm. We walk daily cleaning up in the community. Mm -hmm. That's one of our rituals because we believe we invest in our community. And today, you know, I'm grateful that we're at a place now running into 18 years. So I've been doing this right at 20 years before I got into a nonprofit status. But, you know, today, man, we're so grateful 
because we can even envision what many hearts can look like in three to five years. You know, we, we, we started off as transitional. Now we are full continuum treatment program, but we're one of the biggest female full continuum treatment centers in Tennessee, in Tennessee. Like, like there's a lot of women's programs, but there's not a women's full continuum at 110 bed capacity in Tennessee. So, <clears throat> so your mama would not be rolling over her in her grave now, would she? She is dancing. <laughs> she is kissing me all over my face. Uh, I know that she is forever grateful to uh, have me as a child today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she always said, uh, you ain't got to be everything. Just be somebody. Right. And, 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 and like, she always told me like, live your dream, but I never really knew what to dream. Mm-hmm. I thought I was supposed to be a uh, women's NBA, right? Basketball. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that's what it was supposed to be. But I think that, and I don't wish this on nobody, but I believe that I was supposed to go through what I went through to be who I am today. Mm-hmm. I believe I had to become addicted to the drugs. I believe that like people in recovery and addiction, uh, we can read all the books in the world. We can go and do a whole lot of things. We can have a doctor tell us a whole lot of things. Right. But I believe oftentimes because we've lost our faith along the way and some of us have believed that God is a punishing God, so I can't be loved again in no form, fashion, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, but because of that and where we come from, some of us need tangible evidence. And I need somebody like me to believe that it's possible for me. Right. And so sometimes I think we're our best teachers. You needed those people to love you without your permission. Without my permission. And that's what you do at Mending Hearts. We love those women. You know, some of the greatest gifts I get is when a woman comes to, Miss Trina, I got a job today. Miss Trina, I get to see my baby today. You know, I ain't got my rights back, but I got visitations. Yeah. You, man, that, that is the job. Hey, I'm phasing up. I said, you are? Yeah, I leave treatment and I go to the pier. And in 60 days, I get to go to work. Wow. You know, and we've been fortunate enough to have people like really, um, they don't even have to look for a job in Mending Hearts. By the time they finish our clinical program, there's a job waiting on them, whether they choose it or not. And we're talking about various jobs from restaurants to hotels to um, what is it? Um, The dog food plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there's listen. And I, I tell our women today, too, like. Don't ever accept under ten dollars an hour. I'd love for you not to accept under 12. You are valuable asset, even with the liabilities that you had beforehand. And they need to hear that. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we all need to hear that. Yeah. So how can we help you? Oh, my God. I am so glad you asked. Emma. <laughs> I am so glad you asked. If Listen. you're just joining us, this is Trina Frierson, the co-founder, president and CEO of MendingHeartsInc.org. Yes, and, and please go and visit our website first and foremost. But, like, this is a very exciting time in our life. We're preparing for our 17th, 17th annual Rise Breakfast. That's our annual breakfast, man. Listen, we took a break last year just with COVID and everything to kind of regroup. But, man, we're back on point. Listen, we are raising 
listen, we have a donor. We need $250,000, right? Mm -hmm. We can do this. I know we can. We've already met halfway. We have a donor who's pledged $125,000. Yes, if we come up with our $125,000. Oh, it's a matching. It's a matching. So if you don't give and we don't match, we can't get to $250,000 which is so needed. Yeah. Uh, listen, we're, we're about to build some new program structures that would even equip and enhance the women's lives even further than now. You know, we're dealing with this COVID thing. We've got to get our telehealth system intact. And so we've got to buy a new uh, electronic health record system. Mm-hmm. We've got to hire on a couple more counselors. And so, you know, one of the things that you can do today is go online. We have a link, and it's called Give Butter. Like, listen, just donate whatever you can to make those numbers, right? I need you guys to please uh, give. I, I, I definitely need your support, not only this day, but if you just want to come out and visit us and see. Because I believe that, like, I am a good storyteller for what I believe in. Mm-hmm. I can shed the light, and I can give you all the hope it is. But I'd love to give you a physical tour mm-hmm to show you what's real over in the West Nashville area at Mending Hearts, where we live within our means, within our campus, to help the people in need. So if you'll go to our website and give, there's a whole lot of other things that we need, but this is the most important thing because we don't want to lose a valuable donor who has pledged $125,000 to support this mission. Yeah, and 110 women are depending on it. Yes, most definitely. We, listen, from all faucets, from medical detox, listen, these are our program structures. We bring a woman in from the street. She may have just finished her last hit, her last drink. We can bring her in just as a hospital could, and we can bring her in and detox her, right? And we can detox her, and from there, we can put her over in our residential treatment program. And from the residential treatment program, we move her over into our intensive outpatient, which is another eight-week program. Mm -hmm. And from there, we move her down into our peer program. And so from there, she gets to stay. So she's had about 90 days to six months of clinical services. Mm -hmm. What is a peer program? So peer program is where it's woman-to-woman therapeutic supporting each other. They do groups. They don't have a lot of counselors around them. It's really peer driven. Okay. Uh, these are people who've been through the program uh, and they're in, still in the program, but they are driven. You know, one of the beauties of Mending Hearts, probably about 30%, if not 40% of my staff have been through the program. Uh, about 75% of my uh, staff is in recovery, wow. including my doctor. Wow. Yes. So they believe it. It's their mission. It's their purpose. Yes. Yes. And then they go from the peer program to? Our independent living. And so we have a semi-independent living where, you know, they're kind of really living on their own without supervision. But they can reach back and get support. And so from there, they can stay in our program up to two years. Mm -hmm. Yes, up to two years. And from there, we're looking at, going into they're going to their own personal independent outside of the agency and so what many hearts true one wish is before i leave before i die before i retire 
is that we can find the dirt or an old school building or something to build some apartment complexes for these women, for people who are getting out starting because like we're still, our city is doing good, but we're still missing a piece. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about true affordable, are we talking about fair housing or affordable housing? So right now there's a lot of lingo out here that says affordable, but is that affordable or is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> and so we got to distinguish between the two because right now at the rate of affordable housing, that's really a fair market price. Right. It's not affordable, especially for the people we're serving who are getting caught in the middle between Section 8 housing, subsidized housing, mm-hmm. Right. And we know that there's not enough of that. Yeah. You, you can, everybody is not going to fit MDHA qualification right. to get in subsidized housing or Section 8. Right. So I got a group of people right here in the middle of affordable and subsidized. Yeah. What do we do with them? So what would what would a fair housing price be for someone? What what would so their income be? So a one-bedroom, a woman coming out of recovery in our process could not afford a one bedroom at a thousand dollars a month and pay lights and water and cable. Right. It's still too much, especially at a ten, twelve dollar an hour job. Yeah. So we've got to look at some of that. And so my goal is not only for the people coming out of mending hearts, but this needs to be a community project. It needs to be a project that we can have true affordable housing mm-hmm. and what do you call it? Workforce development. Whatever you call it, we've got to find something that meets that threshold for that that group of people. Mm-hmm. We're missing that. And so uh, outside of that, you know, I'm working with a couple of colleagues to just kind of look at something like that so that we can, when this group of people graduate Mending Hearts, like they don't have to go to a rooming house. They don't have to go rent a room in a house with six other people and share their living conditions and call it home. Yeah. They should be able to go in, whether it's efficiency or one bedroom, and call it home. Mm-hmm. Real, true independence. Yeah. And so that's my final stage and my goal for Mending Hearts is that one day we'll be able to get that last wish. But today my wish is that we raised 125000 for the 17th Annual Rise Breakfast. And they can get information at, again, at MendingHeartsInc.org? Yes. And you're on Facebook, all of that stuff as well? Yes. What can we do? Is there anything else besides money? So say, oh my say God, oh. listen, <laughs> listen. Glad you asked. Yes, so glad you asked. Listen, we have volunteer opportunities. Uh, you can also go on our website and look at our wish list. There's always paper, toiletry, bus passes, and things like that needed. We're always looking for dishes. Our women, we don't have a chef. We're not like the bigger uh, communities that have a cook on site. We teach our women to cook for themselves. Oh. And so they're in their own units cooking. So dishes, you know, uh, twin sheets and comforters, pillows, uh, hygiene, uh, dish liquid, detergent, Mm -hmm. disinfectant spray, Mm -hmm. the wipes, you know, bleach, Clorox. So those things like that. But here's a better uh, thing I think you can do. First of all, pray over the whole agency. Right. Pray that this mission continues to flourish in the way that God would have it. But secondly, come see what we see. Come see what we see. Don't wait until it's your family member that need our services before you can see 
what we see. Come now. Yeah. See what we see. Visit us. We'd love to have you. Trina Frierson, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Trina Frierson, the co-founder, the president, CEO of Mending Hearts, mendinghartsinc.org. We're going to put all the information on our Focus Facebook page, and uh, we're going to put the link so they can donate. What about gift cards? We love gift cards. Yes, we can definitely do gift cards. Well, you know what I noticed, though, and I don't know if you want this, this kind of gift cards, but gift cards have become kind of the gift of choice. Mm-hmm. But so I got in my purse, I have like Cracker Barrel gift cards and TJ Maxx gift cards. She patted her tummy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yes. So even if it's not a cash gift card, you still could use it. Oh, definitely. You know, because one of the things that happens is like, and I forgot to mention, one of the necessities that we truly are limited on and always become limited on is undergarments. And, uh, you know, women come in, you know, they don't have any bra Mm -hmm. or panties on, you know, especially coming from jail or off the streets out of the hospital. And so these are things they need. And so oftentimes gift cards will come in a necessity for that form because sometimes we can have the basic sizes on site yeah there come there's going to come that unique woman yeah that needs a different size yeah that that gift card could cover okay we're going to do that too we're going to add always that to kroger's gift cards we could never go wrong we we get donations from whole foods uh there's a place called dream center uh they donate food but these women you got to understand they're eating constantly it just constantly, they're coming off of something, you know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. nurturing the body yeah. is huge. Okay. And so trying to feed them uh, things outside of the zuzus and wham-whams that we ate when we were incarcerated because you didn't get the fresh vegetables and the salads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't get the real ground beef. So we're trying to, you know, really uh, stock them in a place so when they get out of here, They'll understand how to fend for themselves, not only cook, but wash, you know, really independency. Yeah. So we're, we're treating them for their recovery and their disease of addiction, but we're also treating them to live as other people do. And to live life abundantly. Yes. Thank you, Trina. Thank you. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.